A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiya, before we get into this podcast, please consider joining us on Red Men Plus. We have tons of amazing content coming out every single day in both podcast and video form. So get over there and sign up today. Now back to your podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Red Men TV. I'm Chris Pajak. This is Josh Williams. Josh is an expert in analysis, whether that be stats or whether that be tactics. And we're going to be looking at Cody Gapco today. Uh, we're going to look at some of his statistics and what that means versus his peers uh, and what we look at. Uh, when we see those numbers, what we feel, sorry, when we see his numbers. And we're also going to take a look at what he could do for Liverpool's side. So we're going to look at some tactical uh, variations that Cody Gapco gives us. Uh, and we're going to look at some systems and stuff. And, and we're going to discuss today how we think Cody could change Liverpool's side. So we're going to get into it then, Josh. Um, we've both separately uh, looked at Cody Gapco. What are the things that draw your eye when you look at his stats first and foremost? Yeah, well, there's there's lots of different areas I think that that'll jump out to me. Um, I think one of the one of the main ones is, and it fits with a bit of a recurring theme lately when it comes to our transfer business, specifically in attacking players, is um, he seems to be making what I like to call the leap, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of like he's quite clearly stepping up, like right now in the process of of moving on to a new level. I think, um, like for example, last season in the Dutch Eredivisie, he posted. 12 goals and 12 assists in about 27 appearances, I think it was. This season, he's already on nine goals and 12 assists. So he's already equaled his assist total of last season and he's he's obviously going to go past his goals total. And if you look back at when Liverpool signed Luis Diaz about a year ago, Diaz was doing the same. I think the previous year he scored about six times in the Portuguese top flight. The season that Liverpool signed him, mid-season, he'd already got 14 to his name, I think. Um, and the same goes for Nunes in the summer. He scored about six in his debut season at Benfica. Following ski- season, I think he scored about 26. So Liverpool seem really keen to pick up on these players who were like in the process of going from, I suppose, potential to, to proven quality and, and, and an elite level. Is that sorry to interrupt, mate? Is that where you think Liverpool are trying to gain their edge in the market rather than like Klopp picking up a player from Japan? Um, second division and bringing him over to Dortmund and watching him, you know, achieve there. Do you think now we're like, well, look, we, we we can't really take the risk on potential right now. We need them to be maybe a step ahead of potential, and, and that is making the leap. Yeah, well, this is the thing with a lot of people suggest like, why aren't Liverpool getting Nunes before Benfica again? Why aren't Liverpool getting Bellingham before Dortmund and, and things like that? And I understand those concerns, but at the same time, if you think of where Liverpool are in the football and food chain, if you like. They're at the pinnacle. So Liverpool are kind of in a luxurious position where they can let these prospects develop elsewhere. And once they get to a point where they're really, really good, like, come to Anfield then, and then we just poach them. That's what Real Madrid used to do to us. Barcelona used to do it to us. Um, and now we're in a position to do it to other teams. So I've got no real issue with letting players develop elsewhere, getting to a point where they've, they've ironed out all the cracks and then Liverpool pay a bit more 
to bring them to Anfield. And uh, if you look at what, what, what Gakpo did even during the World Cup, it was a bit of a coming of age for me. I think he scored certainly the winning goal in the first game. And uh, he scored in all three group games. So that's certainly something that stood out to me, how much of a, of a leap he seems to have made this season compared to last season. Um, and there's a few other departments as well. I think his crossing is yeah. an obvious element to touch on. Um, he's currently third in, in the Eredivisie for crosses, which is quite curious considering he's an inside forward, really. He's playing on the left, cutting in with his right, but he's third in the league for crosses. I think that's quite insistent, something that you don't usually see that. Yeah, the thing is, when, when I looked at him play and I looked at all of his assists and all of his goals and, and you know, watched, watched a couple of games, I find that, you know, and we'll, we'll cover this later when we look at the tactical side of things, his starting position is really good, but he quite often takes the ball off players, like the left fullback, and whips a ball in, like almost the elements of surprise. Yeah. Like, and, he, and he crosses the ball as an in-swinger quite often into the, into the striker. Which I think Liverpool have been sort of crying out for somebody maybe to do something like that at times this season where you just want them to be brave and put the ball into a good area. But it's his positioning and his position relative to the other players on the pitch, which I think opens up those sort of crossing angles for himself. And it's not something that Louis Diaz does, it's certainly different to him. You know, and but it's that ability to go round the outside or inside. I think with Gakko, that's quite interesting. I mean, he's currently crossing um, when we compared him to Sadio Mane, Jota and Louis Diaz. He is nearly five times he's getting more crosses into the penalty area per 90 than yeah. those other lads, which is a huge thing, isn't it? And yeah, I, I think the other thing, sorry, not, not, not to stop you there, but and this won't show up in the stats, he's a captain. And Liverpool have had a trait of signing captains for, from football clubs in the past. Like, you know, there was a spell where you know, there was probably six or seven captains at the at the football club. And the fact that he was captain in the side at such a young age shows that he's more than just a player and a bit part player. They've entrusted him with almost leading the side before Liverpool poached him. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, an additional element that you can add to a, to a scouting process, picking up on these players who are supposedly like leaders. And I think he was certainly acting as a bit of a talisman for PS, PSV. Uh, I think he took set pieces as well, which kind of captures his, you know, his, the technique on his deliveries. And those crosses that you've just touched on, the way he does it, I think it'll be easier to do on the tactics board, which we're going to do. But he does have a tendency to kind of cut inside to the edge of the box, the corner of the box, and kind of... It, it's almost like, a, like he's used a golf club to kind of really delicately chip the ball towards, like, the back stick. Yeah. Um, and it's a really useful attacking weapon that Liverpool don't really have. Um, and it'll, it'll add a bit of an element of surprise, I suppose, to Liverpool's game. Um, another element of his game that I wanted to touch on, which could play into the, the idea of him being this talisman for PSV, is his is pass completion is really, really low. Yeah. Um, now, it's obviously the most vanilla start in the world, pass completion, you know, <laughs> passing accuracy. It doesn't tend to mean much ever when you look at it. But it is interesting in this, in this case because he, he completes 65.7% of his passes. Yeah. So what that basically means is when you look at it, when he's on the ball and he's making a pass, he's about 34% likely to find an opposition player with his passes, which is quite weird. Um, and he's, he's in the bottom 7% of the whole of Europe for forwards and attacking midfielders for that, which is a curious quirk, I think. Yeah, I wonder whether, it, is there something that, this is the lad that 
he's got to play the final ball. I mean, he's also the mm. top assistant at the football club. He gets a lot of goals. Is this the guy? We've got to give it to him and he's going to make the killer pass. And, and is that why his passing percentage is much lower than maybe a Virgil van Dijk who souls through games at 90 to 94% almost week in, week out? You know, is that is that something that could lead to that type of statistic, do you think? Yeah, it's possible. Um, but I think even if you compare him to players who are in this position and players who are really who have a similar role in their team, it's still a really low pass completion. For example, Luis Diaz. You know, when Luis Diaz was at uh, Porto mm-hmm. in his final season, you could argue he was the playmaker, the, the the primary weapon, and he was playing on the same flank as uh, as Gapo. Yeah. Diaz posted a, a pass completion of about 80%. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Gakpo down at just under 66%. So that's a real jump, and it's, it's, it suggests he gives the ball away a lot, which... Stems from the fact he's trying things, which is fine, taking risks and things like that. But I think it's interesting considering Nunes loses the ball a lot, Jota loses the ball a lot, Salah loses the ball a lot, and Trent loses the ball a lot. And I think one player in the attack who probably doesn't is Roberto Firmino. Mm. And he has a contract which is due to expire in the summer. So Liverpool, I don't know if it's if they're even aware that they're doing this, but they seem to be stockpiling players who are going to give the, ball, give away the ball away a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you're creating stuff, that's fine, but there's got to be an element of control there. You got, yeah, you got... And that's where coaching comes in, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. You know, and and that's where you'd hope that you know Klopp and and, and the backroom staff are able to make him better as a footballer. One of the ones, obviously, I think that you, we meant we'll, we'll go on to talk about XG a lot actually in our next show uh, over on RedmenPlus.com. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it because it's the poster boy of of stats, isn't it? You know, the expected goals. Um, how did you feel he showed up in expected goals? Well, he shows up good to me, uh, and when you're watching him, his I think it's quite clear he's got a good ball striking ability. I think his technique when he's shooting is quite clean. He scored a few goals this season from outside the box as a result of that. Um, but when I checked, based on the data since I think it was 2018, from 2018-19 onwards, in the Dutch Red VC and in Europe, he's overperformed XG by 11.2 goals, mm. which... We will touch on more in our next episode with Darwin Nunes, but um, that kind of suggests that in comparison to the average, he's just very good at converting shots into goals and uh, he's quite clinical and maybe better at scoring from tricky angles and things like that. Obviously, it's a small sample. Well, I suppose it's not in a way. You know, it's a couple of seasons we have a date of that, so I have to check how many shots he's taken, but that suggests he's, he's good at putting the ball in the net, basically, which is something that Liverpool have suffered from a bit this season. Yeah, and I think, you know, I looked at it compared to Mane, Jota and Diaz. He obviously, he's getting more goals per 90 than both of them. He has more shots per 90 than, than all three of them. He's having more shots on target per 90 than all three of Mane, Jota and, and Louis Diaz. So, I mean, this is a, a guy who clearly is playing in a weaker league. So I think there needs to be some leeway given to that. You know, yeah. some some websites, I know Statsbomb certainly have a 
formula for each league to convert them into, well, if this player is doing this in the Dutch league, you have to times it by 0.89 or whatever it is, and then you're going to get the figures for what we should see in the Premier League. So there is an element to this is going to change slightly when it comes to the Premier League, but as a side-by-side comparison, he is doing very well compared to these players. Now, is there any more things there? Because obviously the crosses into the penalty area was interesting. I thought his corners... Yeah. By the way, the fact that he takes corners, uh, you know, big in-swinging corners for the most part as well, I think is is an interesting thing because I feel, and I don't know whether you agree with this, that Costas is our best corner taker and he's not on the pitch all the time. Yeah. And after that, you can get a little bit of inconsistency. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, and I think it's interesting <laughs> that despite being, I think he's about six foot two, six yeah. foot four, Many people You've named the two things. There's two. There's, <laughs> there is six foot. There's 186 centimeters or 189 centimeters. And no, it's like yeah. you know what Paul said to me the other day. He goes, "It's like transfer market don't update it after the 17 years old. Like you don't check back to see if you've grown any bigger. Yeah, it's six foot two or six foot four. Uh, nice yeah. like that. The best way I've found of judging that is just looking at how tall they are in comparison to Klopp. So when I look at Klopp, <laughs> when you meet Klopp and do the whole handshake thing, is he taller or is he shorter than Klopp? And I think he's taller. So. Okay, that so holds well for I like him, that. I suppose. I like that. Um, but if you look at his game, as I said, he's he's really tall, and most people would look at that without really going into into detail and think, okay, aerial threat. But he's not really. Uh, he, he does win a lot of aerial duels, but I think that's because he's up against fullbacks for the most part in that sense. But when it comes to scoring goals with his with his head, mm-hmm. not very many at all, um, which is. Perhaps why he takes a lot of corners, a lot of set pieces. But I think that's another little interesting quirk to touch on, considering he's really tall, but he's not really an aerial presence like even Jota, who's like five ten, and uh, and Darwin Nunes. I think he'll he'll be a bit different to that. One other thing I think I wanted to talk about is obviously he ranks really well in assists, doesn't he? At the moment, he's the top one yeah. percent in Europe this season in terms of assists uh, from the left wing position. Uh, for PSV, um, he's a top one percent in expected assists as well. Um, sorry, top two percent in expected assists, and he's top two percent in key passes as well from left wingers this season uh, in Europe's top five league. So I think when you consider those types of things, are we, are we maybe because I think you've got to consider the state of Liverpool Football Club at the moment, Josh, and the fact that. Right now, our midfield isn't creative. Now, most people would say, get a creative midfielder. That might solve your fucking issue there, which is absolutely <laughs> fine. It's a completely valid way of doing it. Yeah. But have Liverpool gone, actually, we're not very creative from the forward three positions either. You know, can we get more creativity there? Well, I, th- I think he'll help in the, the midfield, though, specifically in the sense of, like, if you think of Liverpool's forwards at the minute, they're all, like, like weirdly inclined to run away from the ball, apart from Firmino. They're, like, Salah... Loves the threat in behind. Nunes is the same. Um, Diaz may be a little bit different, but I think he's still a threat in behind. And Joss is that man who's, who likes the penalty box. Um, I think Gakpo is a bit more come to feet. And he, I think he likes the ball to his feet. I think he likes to come a little bit deeper and receive the ball before kind of carrying it towards the, the, the opposition back line. So um, I think he'll give us a bit of differentiation in that sense maybe allow us to progress the ball a little bit differently than we have done before. Um, but overall, as a creative spark and as a player who's going to be a, be a danger for opponents to cater for, mm-hmm. I think he's going to offer a lot more than what... I mean, I, I don't want to keep criticising him, but Oxlade-Chamberlain, is a, he was, he's a bit blunt as a player when it comes to him being in an attack. He's a bit more of a... 
that's why he got moved back to become a central midfielder on the clock because it made a bit it made a bit of sense basically. Um, whereas if you look at someone like Gakpo, Diaz, Nunes, Jose, they're all just obsessed with actual returns and things like that. So I think getting a player in who can who's got that naturally attached to his game. It's only a positive, really, isn't it? Yeah, and the final final one I wanted to look at, I don't know whether there's more for you, is he's in the top 1% again compared to left-wingers in the top five European leagues in goal-creating actions. Uh, so he's creating more than one goal-creating action every single game with 1.05, which is bloody incredible, to be honest with you, when Mane's at 0.63 and Jota's at 0.65 and Diaz is at 0.57. For him to actually be exceeding one goal-creating action per game is pretty impressive, isn't it? Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if that suffers a, a decline or a boost at, at Liverpool because you're, you're surrounding them with better players, arguably a more dominant team, but then at the same time it's a stronger league and he's got more competition for places, so will he get on the pitch just as much and things like that. So it's always interesting to look at that sort of thing and think, will this player output, will it boost or will it decline? Mm-hmm. With Nunes, it's it's basically doubled in, in terms of his shots at least and things like that. Um, with Gakpo, hopefully it does the same. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at we'll look at Nunes as mentioned in a, in a second show over on RedmanPlus.com. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the formations and stuff. Okay, so we're off to do part two of our Cody Gapco special. It is available in video form, and it is so visual that there's literally no fucking point in you listening to it. So if you want it, and it's brilliant, trust me, you need to get over to RedmanPlus.com and check out the video. Ta-ra. <laughs> 